0: Now on Food FM, it's a new series with Arthur Potts-Dawson... The Coffee Table. First of all, a word from our sponsors. Founded in 1927 by Giuseppe and Bruno Bambi, La Mazzocco had its beginnings in Florence, Italy, birthplace of the Italian Renaissance. It seems only fitting that La Mazzocco would earn a world-renowned reputation for making beautiful, high-quality, superbly crafted and uniquely designed espresso machines with great attention to detail. Even today, highly specialised personnel supervise each stage in the production of every single machine. Handcrafted to order for each and every client. From the kitchen counter to the specialty coffee bar. The coffee table on Food FM with La Mazzocco. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
1: So this is the coffee table. I'm here with Marco. We're at the trampoline coffee shop. This is a social enterprise which trains young people to become coffee baristas. I'm here with Joseph from 90 Plus. Can you tell us, Joseph, a little bit about what I overheard you talking about this morning at a wonderful coffee shop in Soho. You were saying that you're making coffee next to a waterfall in Panama.
2: Is that where you're from, Panama? Uh, I'm from the north of the United States, but I've fallen in love with the country of Panama uh, after falling in love with the coffees of Ethiopia. Uh, finding an Ethiopian coffee variety growing in Panama and thriving and uh, falling in love with the landscape in Panama in 2009 and I've made it my, my home. Uh, I've been in Panama uh, since 2009 after my first trip in 2005 to Panama um, and yes, uh, we brew next to waterfalls and uh, particularly during the pandemic uh, I was you know locked in uh, paradise up there in the mountains and every Saturday, at least every Saturday, um, sometimes more days during the week, we would go specifically waterfall hunting. Uh, 200 hectares of land that we have at 90 plus geisha estates. There was one uh, small uh, tributary to, uh, to the main river on the backside of our property that I'd never hiked up. Uh, so we we hiked up this small uh, tributary after a long day of um, of battling our way through different forest adventures, and we were sure that at some point we'd come out uh, to uh, to a road uh, on the other side of the of the property. Uh, but we just kept going and going and going, and the and the darkness was coming, and the uh, the rain was threatening. Um, and just when we thought we'd get to a, a road, um, I saw through the. Through the forests around the river, uh, this massive, hidden, you know, hundred-plus-meter uh, waterfall, and you know we've got the, uh, the the blurry footage on our on our phones from this, just as we do whenever we celebrate, you know, finding any relatively small waterfall. But we were we were running towards this thing through the river, climbing over boulders and uh, and and logs, and saying no, puede ser. And that means it can't be, it can't be, it can't be. And then we are standing there. And we wow. see this massive wall and uh, water coming down and uh, darkness coming. And even though we knew that uh, we didn't have food and we didn't have light and we weren't really prepared for a seven-hour uh, hike back because we thought we were coming to a road, uh, we still took the time uh, to sit down on a boulder in the middle of that uh, falling water and, and prepare you know, one of the best coffees of our lives there. And then we had to figure out how to get out.
1: But you're talking about the best coffee of your life, I'm, I'm sitting in front of... A prepared table and it's been prepared to the millimeter you know there is no both the expense spared, but also design spared and joseph you know just setting up this preparation in front of us has is, is, been amazing but, but more than anything the smell that i'm getting from here i'm getting toffee i'm getting flowers i'm getting i mean i, I don't even know if i'm smelling coffee what is it i'm smelling what are you doing here
2: uh, you're smelling, you know, the three main components of, uh, of, of coffee and coffee flavor. Uh, one are the, the t- you know, the earthly elements, the terroir, you know, the, the, that which the land uh, provides to the taste, you know, the soil and particularly all the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the diversity of uh, organisms that live around coffee that contribute to soil and, uh, and thereby uh, impact taste. So you have the land elements. I also have the genetics, so we're, we have um, Ethiopian heirloom varieties uh, that we grow in Panama. Um, these are, if you, you know, you compare uh, heirloom uh, t- tomatoes to, uh, to your, your mass-produced, you know, grocery store tomato and you note the flavor difference and, and the color difference and you see that um, these original varieties, just as in coffee, are much more uh, intense in flavor difficult to produce uh, low yielding you know shade requiring forest loving all the things that i really uh, 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 love in a coffee plant uh, a coffee plant that loves the forest uh, so the genetics are very important uh, so uh, the main variety that we go grow in panama is an ethiopian variety called uh, geisha um, and this maybe you could call it the pinot noir of of coffee it's the it's the variety that's kind of rocked the the coffee world with its taste difference. The final element, I mean, right now you have two coffees in front of you that smell a very different one from the other. Uh, and the main differences here are in the way that we've processed the coffee. So um, historically, colonial systems for producing coffee were uh, they instituted you know, uh, washing stations where the uh, coffee, which is actually a cherry with a red skin and a a fleshy pulp, um, and then underneath that, you get uh, the seeds of the coffee. Uh, for traditional you know, uh, European colonial coffee, you would wash all of the, uh, the fruit, uh, fruit away from the seeds and simply dry that, uh, that caffeine delivery system um, and ship it out with relatively low amount of flavor. Um, but in this case, in these cases of these two coffees here, um, we're utilizing not only the, the fruit that surrounds the seeds and the fermentation of the batches, but also um, the methods, you know, how you get to the end point of fermentation, you know, what temperature you use, whether you have oxygen present or not, uh, whether you do this in water or you do it dry, um, uh, what kind of microorganisms you, you promote. Uh, this contributes to, these, these elements all contribute to differences in, uh, in flavor. Um, and I guess there's a final element. Uh, there's just uh, the love that you put into everything that you do, and that you care about the the outcome and you're excited to taste it. So, we're always excited uh, for what we're producing and that, uh, and that which we love to share with. Uh, Smelling the love. Yeah. I don't know the rest of the room,
1: we've got a, a number of people here visiting. We've got the, the UK um, champion here, barista, um, a, a cameraman. Um, who else we've got? Uh, this is what, and I love also the symbol that you've got. Yeah. What, what does this symbol mean? You, you, there's this the symbol that you use here is this
2: sort of uh, four right angles in gold. Uh, does that mean anything? Uh, well, when I'm in the Middle East, they're a little bit worried that it's a cross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I assure them when I pull out a calculator and say this is a plus sign, uh, you know, so uh, 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 it's uh, it's not a religious uh, symbol. Yeah. Um, but it is a it's a plus sign, mm. um, and um, the, the the company's name is ninety plus, mm. um, and it's not because of the uh, ninety. Points on the scoring uh, system, the hundred-point scoring system that the industry embraces. It's actually because of uh, an experience I had in Ethiopia when I was first um, judging coffees in a in a, comp- in a competition as a as a tasting judge. And on that hundred-point uh, scale, everyone would uh, would would give their score for any individual lot uh, that uh, uh, that the group was um, was judging. And you know, everyone uh, will have a have a coffee that they uh, that's special enough for them to say it's extraordinary it's 90 points for me and so if, the, if there's a really good coffee on the table someone may give it uh, 90 points but every once in a while there are these coffees you know like once i think twice during that week of you know tasting hundreds with that group of judges where if you didn't give 90 points to the coffee then you were gonna be sent to jail. You know, you were, were, it it was, there there were coffees that gave so much energy to the group. Such inspiring tastes Mm. that, you know, conversation points, uh, you know, uh, game-changing coffee flavors for this type of coffee that I named 90 plus. It's a 90 plus experience. It's an undeniable, extraordinary uh, cup experience. And I thought, I don't want to hunt for coffees anymore. I want to create uh, taste experiences that, uh, uh, as invariably as possible, uh, elevate people to that ninety-plus experience.
0: Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM.
2: The coffee table with Lamazoco espresso machines, handmade in Florence since 1927.
1: Well, Joseph, as as what's so amazing about some of the best products in the world is sometimes the simplest. Way, I mean, I know you're explaining a very complicated process of, of, of coffee, but quite simply, and, and you're doing it in front of me now, you're, you're pouring hot water very delicately in a clockwise rotation 24 times across this 10 grams of ground coffee. Now, as simple as that sounds, what's happening here?
2: Uh, really just uh, combining water and coffee together in a way that's going to extract all the... Uh, the aromatic and uh, flavor elements that we want to taste uh, and that we can already smell in the dry aroma of the coffee grounds. So in essence, you know, really um, putting coffee and water together is a really uh, basic and simple, uh, simple process. Uh, I've done it in so many ways in the past. If I don't have any device like this in my possession, even a grinder, you know, I've, I've hand-ground coffees with stones before and I've put the, that ground coffee in the bottom of a cup I've filled that cup of water and I've swirled it around and I've decanted the liquid off the top and I've had incredible brews. Yeah, yeah. So really, you know, just getting in touch with, uh, with the basic, um, the basic combination of, mm. of water and coffee and, uh, kind of, uh, watching the, the water as it gets filled with, uh, with the solubles from, uh, the, from the, the ground coffee and, um, just as one would do with any, you know, culinary practice, you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, see the kind of flavor that you're that you're creating, envisioning it. Um, but in this case, I'm, I'm kind of just, uh, you know, it's not a complicated swirls. So I'm really just giving this coffee a gentle uh, massage with water until I feel I've uh, pressed these uh, these great solubles out of it uh, so that we can enjoy the, enjoy the
1: taste. And what, just, just for the listener, we are, we've got 10 grams of coffee that's been ground into a it's sort of a bespoke, what looks like a muffin cup, but it's a, a very fine paper filter, which is sitting in a sort of, almost like a star design cone, which is sitting on top of some a beautiful wood, which has got the 90 plus symbol etched into it, sitting on top of a beautifully made gray cup perhaps made of porcelain, and the water is filtering through this coffee and it's leaving
2: a cake behind. Mm-hmm.
1: What is it you're looking for here, Jose?
2: Uh, I'm just looking for, um, for an evenness in the bed of these uh, grounds, and uh, uh, which would indicate that I've, I've relatively evenly extracted from all the grounds in this bed. Uh, in the end, um, I'm looking for, um, for an extraction uh, in the cup that... Um, that is uh, brown to dark brown and um, within a certain range uh, I'm going to achieve a great flavor in this cup whether I use um, 9 grams 10 grams 11 grams I'm actually not measuring exactly precisely and mm-hmm. I, I can I can roughly you know look uh, my way to 10 grams of coffee mm-hmm. but if I'm off by half a gram it shouldn't uh, uh, it shouldn't matter too much we will still have an incredible tasting uh, cup here, and uh, yeah, I'm just. That's that's I- one of the
0: things I, I like about this. You've got to understand Arthur that what's happening here is that I, I think up to now everyone is so meticulously measuring, and when someone who's with confidence comes and just makes a good coffee, it it it's, it it extrudes an incredible confidence that the man knows what he's doing. I like the fact uh, he says I'm a farmer, and then he makes a perfect coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it's like with the conversation me and you have always had. Are you a gardener or a cook? Mm -hmm. If you grew an onion and cooked it, what are you a gardener? In England, we like to pigeonhole everybody. Mm -hmm. You're either a gardener or in Italy, you're not. Mm -hmm. So here we have a farmer making a beautiful coffee without weighing, but he's looking at what's happening. He's looking at the reaction. He's looking at the bubbles. He's deciding the coffee tells you when it wants water, like the risotto tells you when to put stock in it, when it squeaks. Mm -hmm. And it's that confidence and that knowing we've now transcended. This recipe, following recipes, is almost amateurish now, Mm. where if you're reproducing the same thing over and over again, you can use a volumetric uh, weight, like a mixologist. Mm. Joseph, can you tell me then, as a farmer, the deeper understanding
1: that you have for coffee, for perhaps roasting it, for then actually pouring water on it, and
2: understanding the flavor, because in some way it sounds like a winemaker. Yeah, yeah, I mean it really is. I think um, once you've gone, when you know you have uh, an incredible variety of, of coffee that grows in, uh, in in a beautiful, in a diverse landscape, uh, out of soil that's incredibly rich, um, and you pick these cherries uh, in such a meticulous way. You see them as they go into their, their processing and they're so you know, gorgeous. You hold them in your hands. You put them through to the next step. You watch and smell every stage of that, uh, of that, uh, of that taste development. Um, you already know that in that raw material, the, the dried coffee seeds, there's, there's magic inside of it, right? So once you know you've got this package of magic and that unroasted coffee, um, then, uh, then, then you go to, to roast, roast the coffee. But even with roasting, I would say it's, you know, I had many, many roasts in Ethiopia on a clay pan in the middle of the forest that have been better than coffees that I've had from, you know, uh, you know 50, 60,000 uh, euro plus uh, roasting machines mm-hmm. out in, the, in major cities of the world. Uh, and in the end, you know, you, you take one of those seeds that's just been roasted, uh, you crunch it between your teeth, and you know that if it falls apart, too readily that the roast was overdone, mm-hmm. and if it's chewy and uh, and uh, doesn't doesn't break, you know, uh, nicely it hurts your teeth when you chew it. Then you know that that's an underdeveloped uh, roast, and it's not going to be the best to taste. But you know that also that if the coffee crunches between your te- between your teeth, and flavor starts to come out into your uh, into your mouth, uh, and you can you can comfortably crunch this coffee without it being carbony and, uh, and with no burnt flavor. You can be really confident that uh, you'll be able to brew this coffee um, in a range of ways, um, especially if it's got that magic inside of it from the beginning that you built into it at the farm. And it will be highly tolerant of uh, different brewing methods. You can throw it into the espresso machine, half dose, full dose, um, get the water uh, partially you know, right for your ratio you know, uh, or, or a bit off. Uh, you can have perfect water, um, you know, uh, mostly perfect water. Um, you can have the right grind size, you can have uh, slightly off grind, uh, you know, there's so many variables that go into this that um, in the end, you're going to have to accept that there's some variability to the roasting, grinding and brewing. So um, instead of, um, you know, calculating a routine, which I'm not against, you know, I'm a scientist, you know, we, we I try to recreate my coffees with, uh, you know, a, a great degree of precision um, when I can control it. but when you're actually preparing this uh, beverage, uh, this is the final step and it's an intimate step. And as you're noting in front of you, you know, there, there's a reason that we've set out the, uh, uh, the ceremony and the cups the way that they are. It's because this is the moment of appreciation, this is the moment of, uh, of respect, of enjoyment, of uh, sharing. You know, it's, it's the 90 plus experience that, you know, no matter how many years I'm at this, if I smell coffees like this coming out of the cup, and I'm, I have a, a great you know audience of people to share with, and it puts uh, you know the it gets your spine uh, all, uh, charged up with, uh, uh, with with positivity and uh, you know. Uh.
1: What I love about a, a word, you know, we have such a we have such an expectation from a word. So when you say coffee, you're expecting something like coffee, but I'm sitting here and I'm not just not smelling coffee. I'm being hit by a barrage of different smells. And they are light, they're they're, they're delicious, but they're also mysterious. There's tones that I would never expect to be getting from coffee. And and in some way, the the liquid almost looks like a sort of a tea in some way. But basically, it's it's an infusion from something that's been roasted. So it's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. But but, but I'm coming from a chef's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Is what I'm saying correct? Because this isn't coffee as I know it.
2: Ah, uh, you know, it it really it, it's very common uh, that you know it, the intention of this experience, of this pairing experience, of this uh, of this ceremony, really is to um, to give people a new level of of, uh, of you know to to let them uh, elevate. to to a new plane uh, of of coffee. Mm. And this should naturally, this is what happened to me when I first tasted the Ethiopian lemon and blueberry coffees almost by, uh, you know, by a a great an unlikely scenario, you know, one out of thousands, I could have uh, actually tasted two coffees from Ethiopia that were that well made that year. That aromatic experience set me on uh, my journey uh, 22 years ago. Mm. Uh, Without that experience, I wouldn't be here mm-hmm. right now. That singular, you know, event that took me from thinking I knew what coffee was to uh, realizing that I knew nothing, you know, and realizing that there was a world to enjoy or to create that, uh, that, that was there. So the the intention of this is to is to manufacture that experience, you know, to really just um, to to put uh, this experience in front of people and let their let their minds be elevated, their senses be elevated, and. Uh, and let them uh, start to seek more, um, uh, and not just in the in the taste, but also in in the way that coffee is enjoyed uh, and consumed. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know this beautiful world of coffee is buried under um, under you know uh, you know great and uh, sometimes uh, somewhat lacking you know specialty coffee culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so. As much as we want to say that our third wave coffee bars are uh, are cutting edge and, and, and always challenging, you know the norms. Um, if you look at them fundamentally, they're still primarily selling milk. Right? This is not. These are not coffee stores. They're milk milk delivery uh, hot, stores. Hot milk with, yeah. with the
1: coffee in, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So yeah. so where is the where is the access for this kind of experience? Why isn't it out there yet? Um, uh, why? Uh, uh, why haven't we broken the broken the mold I mean uh, and I could go on for for hours as to you know why I think uh, this uh, this hasn't happened yet but um, in the end I know the only way to make it happen is to turn people's uh, minds onto it and let them be passionate about it and uh,
1: let them dry it. Yeah. Joseph, I, one of your, your points there is it does kind of strike me as a, a, a bit of a ceremony and in, in some way people are probably familiar with that Japanese tea ceremony where you have got it laid out in front of you, it's very particular. But let's carry on with this because I don't want to stop you in your flow because there's hot coffee in these cups and we need to taste it, right? But I do want to ask you an important question once we've done that. So uh,
2: This morning you had a chance to taste a couple of coffees uh, that, uh, and neither one was a setup coffee. I feel a little bit sorry for this coffee, because it's a beautiful coffee, but truly I'm setting you up for this one right now. When we're, you know, there's always a, uh, you know, you, this is the one that is supposed to, you know, make your mind pop. This one All is right. supposed to make you go, ah, this is really nice. It's, uh, it's different. It's unique. Wow. It is nice Thank and it. different and unique. Yeah, but it, it, yeah. It's,
1: it's fruity, it's
2: flowery. Mm-hmm. It's some, um, there's no edge to it. It's quite well rounded. It is, and if I set you up with a different coffee for this one, yeah. this one would. Pop. This would still be popping, Okay, yeah, it right. would pop more than it is. Right. Okay. So, wow. For the yeah. but, but this one. So, you, so
1: you're swilling it around. So you're trying. You're getting oxygen in there for. Yeah. It's to uh, concentrate. Oh yeah, this is deepest, like gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a difference. I think this one is silver, and this one mm-hmm. is gold. Yeah, there, There's a
2: difference. There's a mark difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So usually it's a, in it's the richer, but it, in some ways lighter. It is, it's lighter, it's got a lot more complexity in the aroma, distinct uh, floral notes, just downstairs for the first time I smelled rose in this coffee, so I hadn't picked that up until uh, earlier in the day, I had a, a Negroni with a rose element to it, and that, you know, reminded me of a of floral note that was in here, um, but it really popped when I was downstairs, I, oh, this coffee does have rose uh, to it, but it's got rose, it's got uh, persimmon, um, so that there's an orange, you know, uh, kind of stewed persimmon fruit, uh, aroma and flavor in this coffee. And there's a savory element that I can't quite put my, uh, memory on. You know, I think whenever you're describing flavor, I mean, for me, it's always helpful to go to my own memory of, uh, of taste. And, uh, I hate to see people grappling for, uh, for words that aren't their own uh, in coffee uh, or in any taste experience because, uh, in Wisconsin uh, where I'm from in the north part of the US I don't think anyone's ever tasted a persimmon for example right, right? so I couldn't mm. use that word and yeah. I wouldn't expect anyone else to yeah, yeah. yeah yes because and I know that's got egg in it so mm. I uh, never and suggest I yeah. never
0: suggest that there's egg in there mm. but I'm smelling masala I'm mm. smelling oh, yeah. that of mm, yeah. that, and, and there's this background of egg awesome. if you smell it again where you said savoury, eh? I we said mummy there, right? I just need I just need to
1: I need to stop this conversation just quickly because what's wonderful about what you're preparing here, Joseph, is there's two, four, six people in this room and all of them don't realise that they're smiling. Mm. I think that, like you say, there's magic and love in the air. So even though you're pouring this out in a very serious and somber and you're being interviewed, but people are just smiling because there is something magical about what's going on here, isn't there, Marco? And and it's it's a magical thing for you to travel all the way from Panama with these types of products to show the London Coffee Festival as well as people from all over the world in London that this potentially is the future of coffee here.
2: Yeah, I, I hope that uh, and I'm sure that the future of coffee will include an appreciation which is not only you know more profound but uh, and more more special and cherished. I guess when we sit with a cup that's been uh, that you know has uh, a handful of, of coffee cherries that, that went into it um, that were picked you know and, and handled uh, numerous times to get it to this state of of flavor, and we pick that up that small cup up and taste um there's there's so much you know again you know the terroir elements the the genetics you know that come all the way from ethiopia uh the handling of the coffee uh the processing innovation the love to sit there with that with that flavor experience and, uh, and enjoy it and cherish it i think is something that we have to uh we have to create uh that ceremony a bit and it doesn't have to be you know um forced at all you can just sit down and enjoy you know a beautiful taste experience but let's say with uh, with the best wines in the world we don't do those we don't we, we wouldn't pour uh the wine quickly uh we'd make sure it was at a good temperature uh we'd we'd you know, whoever's serving it would care for uh for for what they're about to pour and and think about what uh uh, what their guests were also going to experience. Mm-hmm. So it's just that level of consciousness and awareness mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to create and share uh, and cherish special coffee that uh, yeah. we want to accomplish.
0: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM.
2: The coffee table with Lamazocco espresso machines, handmade in Florence since 1927.
1: So you've got me set up here, Joe, if you've got four almost sort of small sake cups in front of me on my right. And on my left, we've got four more sake cups, but these are dark blue and they're absolutely beautiful porcelain sake cups. I'm probably doing a disservice. They're not sake. They're the, these are the little coffee cups you've had specifically made, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So to the right is the one which you've set me up with, mm-hmm. or you've set that coffee up, sort of saying, well, this might not be the one. But this is still absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that we're going to do next?
2: Uh, I'm gonna hand you uh, one of each of these uh, small coffee sake-looking cups. You're gonna take the uh, the lighter-colored cup, uh, the uh, uh, the basalt cup in your right hand, uh, the obsidian cup in your left hand, uh, the lighter-colored uh, basalt-colored cup we usually use for the lighter mouthfeel coffee of the two. So you should taste, smell, and taste that one uh, first, um, and then uh, compare what well, you've just smelled and tasted in the lighter color cup uh, to what you will smell and taste in the uh, um, darker color, which should be more complex and more intense in mouthfeel. And you should feel a very vibrant, alive aftertaste on the, on the second cup, something that almost wants to be like a champagne-like uh, liveliness on the palate underneath all that, uh, that chocolatey. Uh, well, the first, um, the first cup is a
1: bit like tasting delicious, tiny cherries. Yeah. It, it, it sort of sparkles. It's definitely clear. And then, as I move across to the darker cup, when I when I when I take a sip of it, 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 it sparkles, but it, it does something physical to my tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a sort of not a numbing, but a kind of almost a coating of aroma and yeah. I mean, I don't get that with coffee. This is it doesn't. And what's funny, I have to make it very clear. This doesn't feel like coffee.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is uh, this is the you know i'd say that uh, it's one of the most common and you know exciting things that i hear
1: i I was talking earlier to marco who who teams up with me on the coffee table and there's a point now that the coffee industry is potentially at which is it doesn't quite have a direction Mm. it might be that we're stumbling through where coffee goes next marco and i just want to maybe pull you into the conversation with Joseph a little bit to understand if we're looking at what the future of coffee holds and 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 how we can lift coffee into like you talk third phase what's the next phase of coffee where it says okay guys come on let's let's stop saying ourselves so seriously
0: our industry does this every sort of 10 years where we kind of go where are we going where are we going where is it going and you know we went from old-fashioned Italian espresso and then it went into paper cups when the Americans came, mm. and it evolved into people adding sugary, syrupy mm. things in it, and the cups got too big, mm. and the milk. And you've got to see, it's a, it's a snapshot of where we are. We're at the childish palate mm. of the milky drink. Mm. We are babies drinking milk and we have to grow. We're only going to have a coffee market when we start drinking the coffee. We were born, Arthur, when we used to put a drop of milk in our coffee, we now put a drop of coffee in our milk. Mm. And the coffee industry will only grow when we start drinking the coffee. The coffee is the one with the drug in
1: it. But is this grown up? Mm. What is it that we're doing? Are we growing up? Are you growing up? the coffee industry but this is high-end stuff I mean you're talking about a a, a 90 plus Mm -hmm. coffee this is very very excellent Mm -hmm. simple Mm -hmm.
2: but if you have to get all the simple bits right for it to become
1: excellent is this taking us in a new direction?
2: I I think that all the um, the complex work has really been done prior to putting this coffee in a little bottle for a consumer to enjoy I think what, what we need to do at this stage is uh simply, uh, you know, make this very easy for, for people who are new to this, to access, uh, to do in their own homes, show them how uh, simple it is uh, to release this flavor uh, and do so in a way that's, um, that's also, you know, like I said, you know, we, we started talking about brewing next to waterfalls. All you need is ground coffee and hot water. Um, there's no major equipment involved in, uh, in releasing flavor like this. And uh, so, you know, we can set up, you know, I, we, we, we came up here to have this conversation and, uh, I knew five minutes before that I was going to have to brew coffee up here and it took me three minutes to set up. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it re- even though I set up the ceremony in an organized pattern and uh, have these beautiful cups here, et cetera. but sharing this experience is actually, um, fairly simple. Um, so I think it's about, um, about turning people on to uh, to the next level of coffee, and engaging them uh, in a way that you know helps them able to, to share and reshare, and it's kind of like uh, the internet, you know, of uh, you know, but in in, in the physical world. You know, so you, we've got to really we got a really propagate. We
0: had a conversation about um, we were talking before about high quality coffees and accessibility. And I was talking, about, I was looking for these really high quality, and I wanted to put them into smaller packages and make them accessible. I remember I wanted a young barista to buy his girlfriend, barista, an amazing panamagation for Christmas. This is not everyday coffee. Mm. Everything is always looked at as if it's everyday coffee. This is this is special. This is for Christmas. This is for somebody. Maybe expensive, but you're not going to drink this. Just like that coffee, bottle of Barolo. Yeah, but, but, Amarone. Yeah, Valpolicella.
2: You know, yeah. yeah. this is not everyday. Mm. It doesn't mm. have to be everyday. No. It doesn't replace, uh, or it's not to advance from the current you know specialty coffee bar uh, uh model to this it's to have this in combination um it's to go to you know i was at the mandarin oriental doha a couple of weeks ago and you know they have uh, they have illy throughout the hotel you know and espresso in the rooms right and then they have incredible food uh, but um, but uh, this cannot replace a you know uh, uh, an espresso service but it can be a, a new uh, 90 plus menu that goes in conjunction and people can opt to have a coffee like this or an experience like this very simply right next to their table. Um, and it doesn't have to impact uh, uh, anyone's you know, morning cappuccino. Um, they're just two completely different worlds. Uh, and uh, and this, is a, this is a new world, but it doesn't replace uh, the existing at all. Isn't that what the Europeans
1: called the South America's, the new world? Funny that the 90 plus should come back to us uh, from the new world. Because this is, it is a new world, Joseph. And, and look, this this interview has, has been lucky. Uh, you know, you're, you, you come over for a number of reasons. You've got the London Coffee Festival next four days. You're gonna be shattered. You're gonna be, have to be drinking a lot of your coffee to keep going. So Joseph, before we sign off, this sounds like a long road 22 years of experimenting, of growing, of harvesting, of roasting, of grinding, of tasting of traveling and selling this product to people. What's your feeling of the next five years? Because quite a lot of the future of agriculture and the future of healthy plants, and and coffee is a plant at the end of the day. And what is it that we need to do to to make sure that you can keep these harvests coming, looking after the soil, looking after the plants, understanding how climate change is going to be impacting us too. So so can you give us some some future-proofing thoughts?
2: Yes, um, you know, my, as I mentioned in an earlier conversation today, uh, our cost of production is around seventy U.S. dollars per kilogram. Um, that enables us to, you know, accept you know ten percent of the normal yield that you would get in a commercial coffee farm. Uh, it enables us to create uh, a forest ecosystem around our coffee with incredible biodiversity, and uh, enables us to create uh, teams of people who work in coffee farms that are passionate. Have an incredible quality of life, love what they do, and are our um, our cra- craftspeople uh, for this uh, for this cause. To get all of that, you know, uh, you know, at the, let's say the highest level in the world right now, costs seventy dollars per kilogram to the farmer. Uh, the cup that you're looking at in front of you, that would you know, the 150 milliliter cup, uh, it uses 10 grams of coffee. That means you know 100 of these cups per kilogram, which uh, translates to about seventy cents to the grower per cup so for the most special cups that you see out there the ones that might cost five seven ten 15, 20, 25 twenty five euro if 70 cents goes to the producer and the producer engages in reforestation you know community development innovation and in, and uh, in his or her processes uh and uh, you know uh, bringing this coffee back uh, to the market then you know th- this can be sustained so it, it truly means that yeah, you know, if there's a, if there's a, if there's a farming model like this that's supported with seventy cents per cup, uh, then um, we can reforest the tropics where coffee is grown. Like everyone who chooses to do that can engage in that. Um, so. Where is there uh, such an inexpensive opportunity to uh, reforest uh, tropical lands and create uh, reforest the planet, you know, the, the, and uh, and and to create truly sustainable business? I think it's a rare, rare opportunity, um, and uh, that you know, through this uh, this medium, uh, this is the the main message that I want to be uh, conveyed. Not, not only you know, it starts with taste, inspiration, in uh, the taste side, uh, and without that. We wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to go reforest all this tropical land. We need the inspiration, we need the passion for the flavor. You need the, you need the, 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 the flavor of life uh, to drive, you know, drive what we do um, as humans. Um, but uh, what an incredible opportunity to convey to people that they can enjoy this, and they can know that what's behind it is, uh, is an initiative to really uh, repair, you know, a, a lot of damage that's been done to the, to the planet. Uh, I think it's a it's a compelling uh, message uh, and, uh, and I want to find, you know, as I was, you know, this, this, this change and this movement happens kind of by turning people on to this and, and letting them propagate and, and talk about it. Um, but I think it's a, it's a highly compelling message that uh, we should be able to help propagate.
1: Joseph, 90 plus geisha from Panama, i got to shake your hand. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank, you you so much. Much. Thank you so much.
0: To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
2: The Coffee Table with Lamazzocco Espresso Machines, handmade in Florence since 1927.